2 Samuel chapter 9. Now in our culture today, in particularly in the West, we love a good, a, a real good feel-good story, don't we? We love to see somebody who has very little or next to nothing build and make something for themselves. And this is what we see here in a lesser-known account of David's. We we are more familiar with David and him defeating Goliath or his fall when he um, looks upon Bathsheba. But here we have a real-life rag-to-riches story in, in, with David involved in this account. And we know this is appealing to, to the masses, a, a, a rag-to-riches, because Hollywood makes billions of pounds each year from, from these sorts of movies. If we look at something like The Blind Side, a, true, a movie about a young athlete who was adopted into a family and became a, a, an NFL player. It's based on a true story. He made much for himself. We have the story of the pursuit of happiness, a, a man who was homeless with, with his son, yet built uh, a financial empire, and he, he's, now, he's now wealthy and has everything he needs. We have this at uh, young age, don't we, when we hear the stories of Cinderella, of Aladdin, Oliver Twist, there's something that draws us in when we see somebody going from rags to riches. It appeals to us. There's a feel-good factor in this. And this, is again, is what we see in 2 Samuel 9. We see an interaction between King David and his dear friend Jonathan's son, uh, his son Mephibosheth. And what we will see again is Mephibosheth going from rags to riches, from having very little, well, nothing at all, to actually eating with the king. And we'll find that actually in this story, even though it was uh, a long time ago and involved royalty and and a, a commoner, so to speak, that there's a lot of application for us today. And all this comes to its conclusion when we see Mephibosheth dining with his king. But first we need to have a good look at the, the background to fully grasp what's going on in this account. So we know that David is now king. He's now king of Israel. He's taken that throne. We know that Saul had died in, in warfare with, with his son Jonathan. So David at this point back then was made king of Judah. But one of Saul's other sons took the throne of Israel, Ishbosheth. He had taken the, the control of the other kingdom. So there, there, again there was a rebellion there against David, but he was murdered. And David then took over reigning the whole of Israel and Judah. And when David had become king, he started to put things in place. The ark was brought back to Jerusalem. Many of Israel's enemies were defeated. And David then established men in prominent positions so that everything was fallen into place, everything was organised, and the kingdom was set in place. And then we come to this point now, in 2 Samuel chapter 9. Let's just have briefly a quick look at the first four verses. And David said, Is there yet any that is left of the house of Saul, that I may show him the kindness for Jonathan's sake? And there was of the house of Saul a servant whose name was Ziba. And when they had called him unto David, the king said unto him, Art thou Ziba? And he said, Thy servant is he. And the king said, is there not yet any of the house of Saul that I may show the kindness of God unto him? And Ziba said unto the king, Jonathan hath yet a son, 
which is lame on his feet. And the king said unto him, Where is he? And Zeba said unto the king, Behold, he is in the house of Micaiah, the son of Amiel, in Lodabar. So here we have David, the king, remembering a promise that he made to Jonathan um, a long time ago. Because what had happened was Saul was seeking the life of David, but Jonathan and David loved each other and cared for one another deeply. So Jonathan had said that he would help David escape the wrath of Saul. And part of that deal was Jonathan requested of, of David. He said in 1 Samuel chapter 20, verse 15, he says, Jonathan says to David, but also thou shalt not cut off thy kindness from my house forever. No, not when the Lord hath cut off the enemies of David, everyone from the face of the earth. So Jonathan says, look, do not cut off your kindness to, to me or my house. He's asking David to promise that he will always show grace and mercy to, to his descendants. So David here is remembering this promise to his friends. To, to his friends. And he says, he says to, to his, his people, he gathers um, some of his servants together and says, look, is there a descendant of Jonathan? Because he wants to show kindness for Jonathan's sake. Now we just have to pause here for a second because we need to look at this, this um, word here, kindness. The word kindness here is the Hebrew word hesed, which is not just a term that we will use for kindness. We, we can really skip over kindness and see uh, a shallow version of just being nice to somebody. But there is a greater depth to this word because it encompasses sev- several of our English words. It incorporates mercy, compassion, love, grace and faithfulness. So there's a, a lot to this word, a lot to this word kindness when we see hes- its, its Hebrew meaning is hesed. And this kindness is not just a kindness that is superficial, but it's one from the heart that pours out in an action. And David here is wanting to show his his hesed, his kindness, to Jonathan's son in an active way, which we will see shortly. So he's extending this love, this kindness, this mercy to Jonathan's son, Mephibosheth. He's wanting to show this, and he, he goes on to say, I want to show the kindness of God. Because David has known the kindness of God himself. We see throughout his life how God has blessed him, has been merciful to him, has built him up, has has given, given him this kingdom. So David is wanting to show the kindness of God. David can only show the kindness of God if he knows God, and he does, and we've seen that in the life of David. So he's wanting to show God's love, God's kindness here, and he's he's finally found somebody he can show that too. So David has called Ziba, Saul's servant, and he says, look, do you know of somebody? Do you know anyone from Jonathan's family, a descendant of Jonathan, a descendant of Saul? And Ziba identifies this man, Mephibosheth. And he says, look, he's living in, in Machia's house. He's living in somebody else's house. He doesn't have his own place. He's living in this man's home. And we, we learn more of Mephibosheth if we, if we look back to, Sue, to Samuel in chapter 4. 2 Samuel chapter 4 verse 4 tells us this about Mephibosheth. And Jonathan, Saul's son, had a son that was lame of his feet. He was five years old when the tidings came of Saul and Jonathan out of Jezreel. And his nurse took him up and fled. And it came to pass, as she made haste to flee, 
that he fell and became lame. And his name was Mephibosheth. So we know about Mephibosheth that when he was five, news of the death of Saul and his his uh, father Jonathan came to them. And when a king dies, the the army that is conquering them, they will seek to take over that kingdom. And what tends to happen is they will eradicate the king's family. So there is no claim to the throne. So the nurse gets Mephibosheth and they seek to flee, but he falls. And the fall is, is such a significant one that he's, he ends up with, with injuring his feet. He becomes lame in both his feet. So he's unable to really take care for himself, to stand, to, to do what is necessary because we remember in those times, it's not like today where we, we have wheelchairs, we, we have crutches, we have different things that help us move. He was now dependent on others. So he'd lost his grandfather, he'd lost his father, and he'd lost his home. He'd fled for his life and he'd ended up here in Lodabar, living in the house of Machia. So he'd fallen greatly. He'd gone from being the son, son of a, um, a grandson of a king in line for the throne to having nothing. And this, again, is no fault of his own. It's just part of what had come from Saul falling away from God and not seeking the Lord. The consequence resulted in issues and disability for Mephibosheth. Well, let's just move on now. We, we have the understanding of, of who David is going to deal with, who he's going to show the love of God, the kindness of, of God to. Let's just move on now and have a look at verses 5 to 6. Then King, Dave, then King David sent and fetched him out of the house of Machia, the son of Amiel, from Lodabar. Now when Mephibosheth, the son of Jonathan, the son of Saul, was come out unto David, he fell on his face and did reverence. And David said, Mephibosheth. And he answered, Behold thy servant. So David hears that there is somebody that he can show the kindness of God to. So he calls for him, he knows it's Mephibosheth, and he calls and, and makes a request that he comes to him. Now the king has called Mephibosheth, there's no other option but to come. And he's now coming before the king. And look at his reaction. What does he do? He falls on the floor. He he did reverence. That means he's submitting to the king. He's falling before the king in reverence to submit to him. He's not coming in saying, look, this the throne is mine. I'm the descendant of Saul. He's coming in absolute submission. And he says, what does he say to David? He says, behold, thy servant is submitting completely to King David here. And then David said, look, Mephibosheth, and he's showing his servant heart, he's showing that there is nothing between them. He's completely acknowledging that David is king and he is submissive to him. He's laid himself out as a servant before the king. And then we move on into verses 7 to 12. And David said unto him, Fear not, for I, will show, for I will surely show thee kindness for Jonathan thy father's sake, and I will restore thee all the land of Saul thy father, and thou shalt eat bread at my table continually. And he bowed himself and said, What is thy servant that should, shouldest look upon such a dead dog as I am? Then the king called to Ziba, Saul's servant, and said unto him, I have given unto thy master's son all that pertain to Saul and to all his house. Thou therefore and thy sons and thy servants shall till the land for him, and thou shalt bring in the fruits that thy master's son may have food to eat. 
but Mephibosheth, thy master's son, shall eat bread always at my table. Now Zeba had fifteen sons and twenty servants. Then Zeba unto the king, according to all that my lord the king hath commanded his servant, so shall thy servant do. As for Mephibosheth, said the king, he shall eat at my table as one of the king's sons. Mephibosheth had a young son whose name was Micah, and all that dwelt in the house of Zeba were servants unto Mephibosheth. So immediately we see David's reply to Mephibosheth as he lays before David and says, look, here is your servant. David says to him, fear not. He says, look, don't be scared. Do not be afraid. So why would Mephibosheth be fearful, be afraid of David at this point? Well, as we mentioned earlier, when Mephibosheth first had to flee at five years of age, it's because the king had been defeated. And when one kingdom is conquered, what tends to happen to the family of, of the king that has, that has been disposed of is that they will be murdered. They will be killed so that there is no uprising. and there is nobody further down the line who can claim the throne. They will come and they will be killed. That was the custom of the day. So now David is king. And we already know that one of, of Saul's son, sons has already attempted to rule Israel, but was defeated, and, and, and David is now in place. So here, possibly, Mephibosheth may be thinking, my life is going to be taken. David has already had problems with one of Jonathan, uh, an issue with, um, with one of Saul's descendants, so here's another one that could be an issue again. There could be another uprising. So Mephibosheth could be thinking here, actually, my life is about to end. And this is why he is faithful here. And really, if we're looking from a practical point of view, it would be in David's best interest to get rid of Mephibosheth and his family line so there can be no claim to the throne. But what does David do? Verse 7. I will surely show thee kindness for Jonathan thy father's sake, and will restore thee all the land of Saul thy father, and thou shalt eat bread at my table continually. So here we have that word kindness again, the word hesed, the one that has love, mercy, compassion, and faithfulness in it, in action. And it looks like here, we see this in action when Saul, uh, when David says, look, Mephibosheth, I will give you Saul's land. David has a right to this land because he's now the king. But he says to Mephibosheth, look, you can have Saul's land. I am blessing you. I'm giving this to you. Mephibosheth has done nothing to deserve this. All he's done is just submit to the king and say, I am your servant. And David has blessed him with all this land. So Mephibosheth, who had no land of his own, is now blessed with, with land. He's now blessed with a place to live. And that's not all. David then goes, you will also eat at my table. You will have bread at my table continuously. So again, we look to Mephibosheth. He is lame in both feet. He, can know, he can't work or bring in anything for himself. So even with the land, if he was to, if he was to use the land and, and bring things in, he wouldn't actually physically be able to do it. But David provides here. He says, you will eat at my table continually. And then we have Mephibosheth's reaction to this. He's astonished and he says, he says to David, 
in verse 8, what is thy servant that thou shouldest look upon such a dead dog as I am? Now, the term dead dog here that Mephibosheth uses about himself is, is a, again, another heavy term. In this day and age, to call somebody a dog would be a major insult. And um, some of the commentators, Glenn, this isn't me saying this before you drag me off for slating dogs in any shape or form, but this, this, in that time, it was a major insult to call somebody a dog. We still have this term today. In, in, I think it's particularly rugby, you have the term a dog act. It's when a player attempts to do something untoward to another player that's outside of the rules, like biting or taking them out off the ball or doing something that is really untoward that even the players themselves are disgusted at. It's, the term is a dog act. And Mephibosheth here is referring to himself as a dog, an unclean creature that was seen as, as dirty and despicable. If you think sometimes if you, you go to certain places abroad, I remember when I was young and um, I was taken on holiday to Spain, I was told to stay away from all the stray dogs because they, they were filthy, they had rabies, don't go anywhere near them. And this is the picture of what we had in this time, in this culture, that dogs were filthy. But Mephibosheth just didn't just call himself a dog, he called himself a dead dog, which he adds even more to it. He's, he's filthy, but he's also dead. There's nothing good of him there whatsoever. He's full of disease and he's, he's dead. He's, he's useless. This was how Mephibosheth saw himself. And he says to David, why are you doing this to, to somebody like me? Why are you blessing me in this way? I, I am just a dead dog. Now it's interesting because David just doesn't reply to him. He returns to Zeba, the servant of Saul, and he says, look, this is what I want you to do. And he, he says to him, look, I want you to, to work the ground. You and your family and your servants work the ground that I have blessed Mephibosheth with. You will work then, you will bring in all the fruits of it. You will bless him and, and give him these things. You will bring in the harvest. So here is Mephibosheth who is already knows that he gets to eat at the king's table continually. He has land and a home and he has people to work that land for him because he cannot do it himself. So here is that rag to riches story. He was lame in his feet. He was living in somebody else's house. He was dependent on others. And now he's been blessed with land, with servants, and he gets to eat at the king's table. And he did nothing to deserve this. There was nothing in and of himself that, that drew him to David, so David picked him. It was just pure hesed, pure kindness of God that David wanted to show here because of a promise David had made to Jonathan. But it doesn't end here. Let's just have a, a quick look in verse 10 and 11. Well, therefore, and thy sons and thy servants shall till the land for him, and thou shalt bring in the fruits that thy master's son may have food to eat. But Mephibosheth, my, thy master's son, shall eat bread always at my table. Now Zeba had fifteen sons and twenty servants. Then Zeba unto the king, according to all that my lord the king hath commanded his servant, so shall thy servant do. As for Mephibosheth, said the king, he shall eat at my table as one of the king's sons. So David had already given 
Mephibosheth everything. You can eat at my table. You can have this land. You can have servants to till it. It's all yours. But then, just right at the end of verse 11, David says this. He shall eat at my table as one of the king's sons. Jonathan is now a part of the king's family. He's saying, you're going to be as one of my sons. You're going to eat at my table as if you were one of my sons. So David's built up this picture of, of Hesed, of kindness. He said, I'll give you this, this, you'll eat at my table. But you, it's not just eating at, Dave, at the king's table. He's eating as if he's one of the king's sons. This is a huge deal for Mephibosheth. And it's quite extraordinary when we look at everything that has gone on here. Where death was a possibility, he now has his life, he now has land, he now has food, he's now adopted into the king's family. All this from nothing. And then I want us now to look from what David has done to Mephibosheth's reaction. And we see this in verse 13. So Mephibosheth dwelt in Jerusalem, for he did eat continually at the king's table. He continually ate at the king's table. Mephibosheth took the offer. He didn't refuse it, and of course he didn't. I mean, we wouldn't, would we? If we were in this situation and we were offered these wonderful things, we would grab it with two hands. We would say yes immediately, and we would be there. And I, I think we can bet that actually Mephibosheth wasn't needed to be like coerced or forced into this. He, he would willingly go. It, we'd think he was an absolute fool if he fool if he didn't take up the king's offer here. And I'm really certain that he would go there rejoicing. He had land, he had servants, yet he continually ate with David as one uh, as one of the king's sons. So he embraced the fact. He went and he did it continually. He was happily part of the king's family. It wasn't a case of, oh, well, I might come now and again, but I've got all this land, all these servants, I'll, I'll go back to that. He wanted to be with the king. And we know this if we jump further on into 2 Samuel 19. You see, later on, David had to flee Jerusalem because of his son, Absalom. Absalom wanted to take the, the, the crown he wanted to rule. So David had to flee at that point. And what, what happened then is, Mephibosheth had wanted to, to go on. He wanted to meet with David and follow David. But what happens is Zeba said he'd go and took um, donkeys and, and, and bread and all sorts to the king. And when Zeba got there, he actually said to David, he said, Mephibosheth is back there and he's wanting the kingdom. He's wanting to, to take over. He's glad you're gone, which was actually a line. We'll see why shortly. So David then says to Ziba, well, if that's the case, the land and everything that I gave to Mephibosheth is yours. And then in uh, chapter 19, verse 24, in 2 Samuel 19, 24, we see Mephibosheth's response when David finally returns to Jerusalem. Mephibosheth, the son of Saul, came down to meet the king and had neither dressed his feet, nor trimmed his beard, nor washed his clothes from the day the king departed until he came again in peace. So Mephibosheth missed the king. David had gone 
and he mourned that he couldn't go with him. He was mourning the fact that he wasn't with his king anymore. The, the king had gone. He may have still been eating at the table, the king's table, but the king wasn't with him. And it showed there was, an, there was a physical outward expression of, of this pain, this suffering in Mephibosheth's heart. He'd not looked after himself. He'd not looked after his feet. He'd not cared for his beard. He'd not washed his clothes. I mean, this must have been a, a real view, a real state coming towards David as Mephibosheth finally gets to see the king. He, he'd clearly been in mourning there. And if you're going to fake that, that is a big ass to do, not to look after yourself, not to wash. So clearly this was coming from a heart of someone who missed his king. And as we, if we'd read on, what we'd see there is actually David saying, why didn't you come to me? And Mephibosheth explains the story that, that had gone on. And then David replies with, okay, well, the land that I've given you, I will divide. There's a division of the land between Zeba and Mephibosheth. And then Mephibosheth replies with this in verse 30. And Mephibosheth said unto the king, yea, let him take all, for as much as my lord the king is come again in peace unto his own house. Mephibosheth did not care about the land. He said, let Zeba take it all. He's happy that he's king his home. So Mephibosheth was, was sorrowful, was hurting, was heartbroken that his king had gone. And when he returned, he couldn't give a monkeys about his land. He didn't care of the land, whether it was divided or not. Zeba could take it all. He wanted his king. The land didn't matter to him. He just wanted to be with David. Because Mephibosheth loved David. David had shown, Hesed shown the kindness of God, and Mephibosheth loved him because of that. Yes, because of the action, but because of the heart it came from. Mephibosheth loved David because of the action, but of the heart that it came from. He loved David deeply, so much so that even though he still had all these things in place, when David had gone, none of that mattered. He was sorrowful. He, he, he couldn't bring himself to wash or to clean because he missed his king. He was part of the king's family and he loved him dearly. So there we have the story of David and Mephibosheth. But what can we get from this today? Where do we see the application in this account? Well, we can look at David and think, right, here is the example set. This is the example that we must follow. It would be a, a wonderful thing to do if we could offer what David had offered or offer things to others who are in need. That is a good and proper thing to do. And we are called to do that. We are called to care for the, for the people in and out of church. We are to be a witness in this world. But I don't think this is the picture uh, that we find here. I don't think that is what we should a be aiming to look at. This is not what this passage is all about. Because in this account, we are not David. We are Mephibosheth. We are the dead dog. And we are in need of Hesed, the kindness of the king. Not just any king. Certainly not, certainly not the king that's in place now. But the king of kings. 2 Samuel chapter 9 is a picture of the gospel. In David we have a picture of, of, of the father and of Jesus Christ. And as I said before, Mephibosheth, the dead dog, that is us. And when we look at dining at the table, I believe that is a picture of 
the privilege of being in the church. Because when we look to verse 5, where King David sent for um, for Mephibosheth, we see a parallel of that. This is purely just a picture of what is to come in John 6, 44, when Jesus says, No man can come to me except the Father which hath sent me draw him, and I will raise him up at the last day. So there's no way Mephibosheth would have gone to the king, but the king sent for him. And we see here in the New Testament, nobody can come to the Father unless the Father has called him, unless the Father has drawn him in. David drew in Mephibosheth. He called him. He said, you will come to me. And that is what the Father has done for, for any of us here who, t- who today believe and trust in Jesus Christ as their Lord and their Saviour. You see, we didn't come to, to Christ in, in our own strength, in our own knowledge. It was faith. It was the gift of faith that drew us in. And it was here, Mephibosheth having to come because the, the king, because David, drew him in. It was the Hesed, ultimately, that drew uh, Mephibosheth there. And we are Mephibosheth because of what we see in Ephesians 2.1. And you hath he quickened who were dead in trespasses and sins. We were dead in trespasses and sins. Spiritually dead, lifeless. We were dead dogs. We were set for destruction. But that gift of faith was given to us. Now Mephibosheth was given home and land. That was all a blessing to him. We are given the gift of faith. Ephesians 2.8 For by grace are ye saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God. So Mephibosheth there was, was brought to brought to the king. He was blessed with all these things, with land and all this. We are blessed with faith. Faith in Jesus Christ. Not faith in any other God, in any other way of living, but faith, true faith in Jesus Christ. Then what happened, Mephibosheth was adopted into the king's family. He was one of the king's sons. We too are adopted into the family of God. Ephesians 1.5 having predestined us unto the adoption of children by Jesus Christ himself, according to the good pleasure of his will. So we were adopted into the family of God. It wasn't just uh, uh, in a moment where God thought, right, okay, now this person's going to be saved, this person's going to be saved. We were predestined. We were set to become children of God before the foundation of the world. This was all set in place by God. Galatians 3.26 For ye are all the children of God by faith in Christ Jesus. We are all children of God because of what Jesus Christ has, has done. If we've been given the gift of faith and we trust in Jesus Christ as our saviour. So if we do this and we are adopted, we are now in the family of God. And it's all because what Jesus has done. He was obedient up, into, up to the point of death. He gave up his life for us, for those who believe in him. And by his suffering and dying on the cross, by him being wounded for our transgressions, bruised for our iniquities, we know the scripture states that we, by his stripes, we are healed. We were the dead dogs, but the gospel was proclaimed to us. And we had the joy 
of what Mephibosheth had was falling before the king. We fall before our king when we accept the truth of salvation in Jesus Christ. And isn't this just a wonderful picture in 2 Samuel 9 of, of the gospel, of adoption, of the love of God, of a dead dog with nothing being given everything and dining with the king. And when we get to that picture of Mephibosheth dining with the king, this is a, a, a picture of us as believers being sustained in Jesus Christ as, as we, we live on this earth waiting to be called home to, to him, him. And the reason I say this is he was eating at the king's table but in the very, la- the very last sentences and was lame on both his feet. You see, we are adopted into the king's family. We are now part of, of, of the family of God, but we still have this struggle with sin. We still have this, this battle with the flesh. All of us have. Yes, we stand before God righteous because of what Christ has done, but while we live on this earth, there will be a battle against our flesh. And it was the same for Mephibosheth here. Yes, he was adopted in, into the king's family. Yes, he was dining at the king's table, but he still had this issue. He was lame in both his feet. Nothing, not everything had been dealt with there and then. And for us, we still have the battle of sin, but we still are being built up in Jesus Christ as we live on this earth. And we'll see this now as, as we take a look at the, the New Testament and how it paints a picture of us dining um, as a church with Christ, John six thirty five, And Jesus said unto them, I am the bread of life. He that cometh to me shall never hunger, and he that believeth on me shall never thirst. John four thirteen to 15. Jesus answered and said unto her, Whosoever drinketh of this water shall thirst again. But whosoever drinketh of the water that I shall give him shall never thirst. But the water that I shall give him shall be in him a well of water springing up into everlasting life. The woman saith unto him, Sir, give me this water that I thirst not, neither come hither to draw. So Christ gives us a picture of us feasting on him. He is the bread of life. He provides us, he's the water that, so that we will never thirst Again, this is a picture of our, our spiritual growth when we are, are brought to faith. We don't literally um, feast on Christ. We, we, we don't view um, gathering at the Lord's table for communion as that. We're not actually taking the, the flesh and the blood of Christ. It's, it's a picture. But all this builds us up in Christ when we feast on Christ. And when we look back to Acts um, chapter 2, what was happening there? The people were gathering to feast on Christ. There was the reading of his word. They were feasting on the word of God to be built up in the faith. They were having communion. They were praying all these things, bringing them to Christ, bringing them to, to be with Jesus there and then in that moment and to being built up in the faith. In the faith. 1 Corinthians 24. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, Take, eat. This is my body which is broken for you. This do in remembrance of me. After the same manner also he took the cup, when he had supped, saying, This cup is the New Testament in my blood. This do ye as oft as ye drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as ye eat this bread and drink this cup, ye do show the Lord's death till he come. So when we do these things, when we take communion, 
we are feasting on, on Christ, not literally, but spiritually. We're being built up in the faith. For Mephibosheth, he was invited to the king's table to be nourished, to be built up, to be strengthened. And all this here is pictured in 2 Samuel 9 there, that he was, he was brought out of death. He was suffering. He had nothing of himself and he was given great blessings. And again, this is what we have today when we are brought to faith. When we have the preaching, when we have baptism, breaking of bread, sung worship, prayer, we are meeting with Christ. We are being built up as brothers and sisters in Christ. And finally, we look to Mephibosheth's reaction. He went to the king's table. He went there because he loved the king. There was this offer, there was this gift there, but he wanted to be with his king. He wanted to be with his king because the king loved him first. And he loved the king for who he was. That was his motivation. That's what called him to be with David. Now surely this must be the reason why we are here today. It must be, it has to be. We must come because we love Jesus. We want to know more about Christ. We want to sing his praises. We want to submit to him in prayer. Yes, we are called and commanded to, to, to meet and to 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 come to church and to gather. And obedience is good. Yes, it is good. Don't get me wrong. I'm not saying we, we, we're not wanting to be obedient. That is part of, of loving our Lord. But if it's a drudge, if it's hard, hard work, our focus is wrong. We see in church in the wrong way. We should be looking and saying, I want to be with my king. My king has brought me out of death. He's brought me from, from rags of death and being a dead dog to riches in the sense of being with Christ, being righteous before God because of what Jesus has done. And surely this should bring up in us a heart that wants to meet and to gather and to know more of Christ. See, Mephibosheth loved David and wanted to be with him. He knew David. And when we read the scriptures, when we pray, when we search for Christ in, in, in the word of God, that brings in us a love for Christ. I mean, how much more should we love and delight in coming together to know Jesus more when we understand what he has done for us? Mephibosheth gained land and servants and a meal with the king. But haven't we gained so much more than Mephibosheth? Shouldn't we understand and grasp more why we want to gather together to, to, to be here and to worship Christ? Yes, Mephibosheth grabbed and gained worldly things, like I said, land and servant and food. But we have gained so much more. We have gained heaven. Heaven is now our home, and Jesus, our King, is there. And that is our reward. We get to be with Christ. When our race is run, when our day is up, when we are called home, we go to be with our King. We go to be in heaven and get to worship Christ forever. So we have gained far more than just a few servants and a bit of land and a, a fancy meal with a king. We have gained the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, and we will be with him forever. Amen.